Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mission Success Women in Multifamily, the monthly podcast series that shares the voice of powerhouse women in the multifamily industry. I'm Laura Kalugar, Senior Editor with Multi-Housing News. March is a special month as we celebrate strong women in the industry, and my guest today is definitely one such example. Kelly Carhart was recently promoted to Executive Managing Director and leader of CBRE's multifamily platform in the U.S. What does it mean to her to be the first woman in this role at a major brokerage company? We'll find out together over the next few minutes. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Kelly. Thank you, Laura. I'm excited to have this opportunity. First of all, please tell us a few details about your career path so far. How did you get into multifamily? Was it your choice or was it more of an accident? <laughs> um, I would say my uh, entrance into multifamily was probably a more linear path. Um, in college, I was a finance major and uh, had the opportunity to pick up another major. And at the time, there were two options, um, risk management and insurance and real estate. And at the time, real estate sounded a lot more exciting. Uh, and that ended up molding where I entered commercial real estate postgraduate and came out of college and started a bank. And I did all types of uh, commercial real estate, but primarily focused on uh, multifamily mm -hmm. in that role. And I was a credit analyst. So really doing you know the underwriting for um, new opportunities that were coming into the bank. And it was a mid-sized bank, uh, but I had a group of young folks around me, um, a, a, a class, and that was really fun at the time. And then um, I got involved in um, a women's organization in Chicago for commercial real estate, and I met another woman who worked at Freddie Mac at the time, and she said, you know, I really think you should come apply for a role here. And I said, great. And um, the role was in the city, and it was a big pay increase, and um, <laughs> it was a great opportunity. And, and I ended up staying there for 17 years. Awesome. So you spent a lot of time at Freddie Mac. Um, to what extent has that experience helped you when you transitioned to a role in brokerage? Great question. Um, it really, for me, I looked at uh, the opportunity and it was a natural segue. I had worked with most of the brokers um, within the network at CBRE. So I had already met a lot of the folks that I would be working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And then uh -huh. I was also very familiar with the end user, which is, you know, the owner of multifamily, um, given my role at Freddie Mac. So to me, it was a natural segue. I knew both the middle part, the, which was the uh, brokerage platform, and then the end user, which was the owner of multifamily. Mm -hmm. If I understood correctly, you are the first woman to lead CBRE's multifamily business. What does this mean to you? Do it's you feel any humbling. pressure? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I feel immense pressure. It's super humbling. Um, it's exciting. I mean, the headlines that said, you know, milestone for the industry was, you know, it's it's incredible. Um, and, and I do feel a lot of pressure around that, but I also am very excited for that. And what really excited me was the amount of feedback I got, not just from, you know, men in the business, but women who thought it was um, an incredible accomplishment and so meaningful to them and to others. And uh, also had some feedback from those who had daughters and said, we've told our daughters about you and what you're accomplishing. And I, I got a picture of um, glass being shattered from someone wow. I worked with for 20 years. And it was just a really neat gesture and so meaningful. So yeah, it, it is a it is a big deal. Um, and I'm slowly absorbing and embracing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You are overseeing CBRE's expansion in the multifamily business across five regions, working alongside mainly male leaders. Uh, what can you tell us about the team you currently coordinate? The team's incredible. Um, a lot of energy. And quite frankly, I don't think I could be in this role without that team. Uh, just their market knowledge and connections and contacts are going to make us better. Um, they are the best in their individual markets. Uh, and they're um, they're the next generation. So all of that's really exciting to me as we transition. You know, there's so much industry experience and um, my predecessor had, you know, 40 years of experience, see, has seen many cycles. And so it, it's great that we have, you know, a lot of industry knowledge. And as we're transitioning and our clients transition, I think we are starting to um, align better with, you know, what the market is. Mm -hmm. And what is your main focus now? What are you doing these days? And what are your goals for this year? Great question. I, I try to go back to what are my goals this year to keep me on track because there's just so much to tackle. Um, it's an extremely large organization, um, yeah. over a $75 billion platform. So, um, you know, in my current role, really the coordination and collaboration amongst um, the teams of both debt and sales. And previously I led the debt platform. Now I'm leading both. And I think that helps us integrate and collaborate better because you see you know, what each group is doing. And instead of taking a singular approach, you're doing, um, you're looking at it holistically. Uh, but what does that mean? I think there's opportunities around clients and strategizing better around meeting their needs and, and aligning better with um, their goals. Uh, I think there's better opportunity for uh, communication, um, strategy around markets, uh, we are in, you know, we're a national platform. Um, we're stronger in some markets than other. We have larger presences within, you know, institutional versus private clients. So how do we, you know, um, export that nationally and, and um, maximize results? Um, right. Also just looking at, you know, our, our debt team and our sales team and thinking of opportunities for us to just come as a capital advisor um, and, and, you know, think about a holistic solution for our clients. So, a lot of um, agenda items for 2023. And, and I think one thing I didn't mention is just technology and how mm -hmm. important that is. You know, you would be surprised at how um, there's still a lot of results that we need to um, capture, it, meaning, you know, real-time data. And, and we have some of the best data in, in the industry. So how do we export that and give that to our clients? Because right now everyone wants information. Yeah, they want to know what will happen. They want to know the future. So they're guessing you have a... Right, the crystal ball. And, and I yep. think, you know, people are asking for cap rate data. And, and the conversation I had this morning is, well, what happened in the fourth quarter is is likely not relevant to today. Uh, there's just been so much movement. And I mean, it is a data point, but we really need to be focused on current data points. And those are not as plentiful as they were previously. Mm -hmm. So... Um, there's a lot more discovery and, and like you said, having that information for forward looking and versus and backward looking is important. But I, I think focusing on how do we get that information to our um, clients quicker is important. After a short break, Kelly and I will discuss best strategies that multifamily investors can approach in today's economic environment. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jessica Fior, 
editor-in-chief of Multihazing News. I'm here to spread the news about the premium content that you could receive in your inbox simply by subscribing to the MHN Daily Newsletter. Our experienced writers regularly put together special reports on the hottest topics in the industry, and you could get all these expert insights for free. To sign up, visit multihousingnews.com. Thank you. So what have you been advising your clients? Because getting deals done and finding solutions for financing them has been quite challenging lately due to the uncertain environment. Is there a best strategy that multifamily investors can approach when when economic conditions deteriorate? I mean, that's a great question. you know, our job is to make a market, right? And right. there's always going to be needs. There's going to be, you know, people have maturing loans, um, people have equity needs, so recaps, um, and, and then people have to dis- make dispositions based on liquidity needs for, you know, their platform or for their investors. So um, there is going to be a market and we are making that market. I think, you know, it is a challenging market because it's constantly changing and right. coming out of NMHC, I think we, we thought that there was a lot of optimism. Um, you know, we had some stability in the tenure and it wasn't looking like we would have too many more um, hikes on fed funds. And that all changed in the course of a week and a half with a positive employment report and a, and a positive, you know, overly positive, or I'd say, um, CPI print, meaning uh, we thought things would be more moderating and, and they're not. So mm-hmm. now we're looking at more hikes and an elevated treasury. And that certainly has an impact on activity, but we're still seeing liquidity in the market um, despite, you know, those, the capital markets instability. So I, I think, you know, how do we advise depends on that client strategy and what their needs are. But we're seeing those that have to transact and in, in so making that market. And, and it's just, it's a little bit different uh, landscape than it was, you know. A year ago or two years yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So how stressful is this high interest rate environment for multifamily investors? Well, I, I think it depends on where you are with the asset. So if you're if you're developing an asset, let's just say, and, and it's under construction and delivering, you know, within this year or next year, um, you probably performed rents that were still significantly lower. And so um, even with a decrease from 21 levels, um, you're probably in the money. Uh, Mm -hmm. The challenge there is really just, you know, an elevated interest rate environment and the impact on cash flow. But valuation wise and, and, um, you know, uh, EGI wise, you're looking positive. Um, You know, most assets, have had upside. And, and so while you not may not be capturing peak values or peak performance, there's still meat on the bone. I think there are some assets that were, you know, uh, purchased in the second half of 21, first half of 22, that were at compressed cap rates um, and capital structures that probably had a lot of investors, you know, maybe syndicated money that may have some some stress, um, especially if there was a floating rate loan and and there mm-hmm. wasn't a cap purchase. You know, even if you did have a cap, your cash flow is is certainly down because your strike rates were elevated. So I, I think um, it's a new normal. It's going to take a while for people to get used to it. Um, you know, we're looking at levels of interest rates that were ten years ago plus. But I think once the initial sticker shock wears off, 
deals will capitalize. I, I don't think we're going to be in the 3% cap rate anytime soon. Okay, and now we will we'll move on to a, a slightly different uh, topic. Um, I'm interested in finding out more about uh, how you're building long-lasting relationships in this industry. How easily can these relationships fall apart? What does it take to, to build these healthy business relationships in, in multifamily? Um, well, I think the business itself is a relationship business. Right. And, and you know, coming from the lending side, it was a long game, right? And, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. It is a surprisingly small industry. The relationship aspect is essential to your success in this industry. And I just don't think when you have 10, 20 year relationships, they disintegrate. Um, I think they get stronger in these type of environments because people realize that, you know, they need to lean on one another for information and, um, you know, strategy approaches. So I I think multifamily, especially in comparison to other sectors, is, is just unique and special. But, you know, I only have one view. <laughs> <laughs> right. You haven't been on the commercial side. <laughs> no. So where do you draw your energy from? What makes you move on every day? I, I'm guessing you have a very stressful job. <laughs> um, constantly trying to figure that out, Laura. I, uh, <laughs> I have a 21-month-old. So I would say at the end of the day, um, that's a new uh, batch of energy when I arrive home and he greets me. I totally um, understand it. <laughs> it. It certainly makes um, life fun. Uh, but, you know, I think clients are energizing. I, I truly think having that um, interpersonal relationship and, and figuring out what they need and how you can help uh, deliver results is, is fun. I'm a result-oriented person. I'm an action-oriented person. So I like that aspect, but um, I do a lot of yoga. And hmm. I also do, um, I love Barry's Bootcamp. So I need uh, exercise as an outlet where I would say I am not balanced. Okay, that's a great strategy. Exercise is what I also resort <laughs> to whenever I need more energy. <laughs> um, okay, um, from your perspective, how big of an issue is gender diversity in multifamily? I've talked about this with, with many of my um guests uh, throughout the years, uh, and each of them had a different perspective, and I'm curious about yours. Yeah, I think that, um, I, I guess I would say I'm surprised. I feel like we have made progress, but I would have thought we would have made more progress, uh, and mm-hmm. my point of reference is I still am going to meetings of 20 plus people, and I'm the only woman in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's disappointing, right? Because when I started in the industry, that was the same. And it can be very intimidating. Um, And I discount that. I grew up with three older brothers. So um, I'm I'm used to being around men. And, you know, I grew up on a farm. So there was just a work ethic and a a no fear type of attitude. I I have a lot of confidence. But I don't think all women that enter this industry have that confidence and it can be pretty intimidating. Um, and it probably could be limiting on a career. So I just feel like there needs to be more focus on trying to recruit, you know, those in college or even younger within into this industry and and, and show them that it won't be like this forever. And the pandemic didn't help. On the contrary, it, it drew us back. 
with all the progress that was made? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had my child post-pandemic, but I recall um, one of my colleagues who I worked closely with had two young ones at home. And I reflect and I often send her messages at how amazed I am. She had two kids that she's juggling, no school, um, and on eight hours of Zoom calls a day. And so I got very familiar with her two children. But I think about what she accomplished during that time and how she was able to maintain this executive presence and decision and strategic thinking. And it's challenging. I I have a hard time multitasking with my son um, on calls. I'm getting used to him screaming, but I just, (laughs) I have the utmost respect for women that are working with young children and especially in that COVID environment. I mean, that was, as you said, it was certainly had an impact. Right. With so much experience in multifamily, do you have any interest in mentoring other women who want to have a successful career in this industry or are you already doing this? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I I certainly want to encourage those women in, in multifamily to pursue their dreams, sky's the limit, um, and find opportunities for them, um, whether it be within my organization or other organizations, um, trying to find an advancement path. Um, you know, we have several women in our office here in Austin and um, actively focusing on, you know, making sure we connect, connecting the women within our platform with each other. So um, I would say it's probably less formal, um, mm-hmm. but it is certainly top of mind for me daily. And one last question. Do you have a, a, a particular message for, for all the women in multifamily out there as we celebrate Women's History Month in March? Yeah, I, I think that you can embrace being a woman versus thinking about the differences. Um, mm-hmm. I have really benefited from being a woman in multifamily. There's not many of us. And I think that maybe has played to my advantage. Um, and so, you know, I think the other thing I would tell the rest of the women in multifamily is that we need to, you know, focus on how we can expand our presence. And that goes back to the prior question you asked me, but, mm-hmm. you know, how do we bring more women into multifamily? Because we all know that diversity of thought produces better results. Um, right. It's beneficial to the business itself. Absolutely. And, and there are studies that show um, that how women think and how men think are inherently different in, in brain activity. So, you know, we need to make sure that um, we're in the room, we have a seat at the table, and we are thinking about how our clients are um, and that we are more relevant with our clients, which includes having gender and um, ethnic diversity. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Laura. It's been really fun. Glad you enjoyed it. Thank you everyone for listening and make sure you visit regularly multihousingnews.com for the latest news, interviews, and podcasts. 